Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at luminousanglican.com. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Amen. Good morning, everyone. There's some new shiny faces in here. It's, it's fun. If you're new, welcome. We're glad to let you come into our sweet little parish, and please just make yourself at home however you are. Um, I'm really excited to just share kind of what I've been simmering and invite you into Psalm 119. Um, I'm going to be sharing from a couple versions, so just curious how God wants to meet you in the psalm today. The Christian mystic Evelyn Underhill said this, We mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs, to want, to have, and to do. And it's being, not wanting, not having, or not doing, that is the essence of the spiritual life, which I would say is life. I'd love to invite us into Psalm 119. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version and then later from the Passion Translation. And as I was preparing for this the last couple weeks, um, I just see I just see how often God just confettis these invitations to us through Scripture and stories, and uh, especially in Psalm 119, just the constant invitation that He is asking and reminding of of our value our inherent value, and then also inviting us to notice, like, what do we value? What are our values? And how do those line up into life? So I'd love to read the ESV version. As I do, just maybe just notice what shimmers for you, what words pop out, what, what stands out to you. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. And in this, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. And I wonder what words stood out to you in that. I know for me, I was reading this, and I'm like, what are precepts? Like, I have to, like, go on a little treasure hunt to find some of the definitions for this. And as I did, I realized that precepts really are like these life lessons that we hand down to, you know, we've been handed down from our families, we hand them down to our families, our friends. And I started thinking of what does this look like in our own family? Like what are those those life lessons, those mantras, um, those invitations that we are um, being invited into but also passing down? And in our family, we really have like one basic life lesson, um, and that is we are doing our best to raise independent souls to know that God is real. That's it. 
Like, we just want to empower you to become a functioning, kind adult who can see that God is trying to invite you into life every moment of every day. And along the way, please be kind and do your laundry. Um, but that really is like a lesson that we, we are doing our best to pass down. And I wonder for you what life lessons have been passed down to you? What stays? What have you let go of? I know other like mantras or lessons that we're inviting our kids into is constantly inviting them to notice relationships over things. And that is big right now for having a middle schooler and a high school when the world is telling them you need to have the coolest, newest, all of the things. Um, we're constantly having conversations right now about is this inviting you into deeper relationship or is this, is this giving your energy towards stuff? Again, not good or bad, right or wrong, but just a deeper invitation to more, to life, to goodness. We also invite our kids to see the gold in everyone. How do you see the Imago Day in every person you're interacting with? How do we see the gold? And we also are really trying to empower them that there is always room for dessert. That is a very important life lesson that we are hoping that they also continue, which was evident last night when Tanner was ransacking the pantry and he was like, I need chocolate, I need chocolate right now. And I was like, we have done so well. We are rocking parenting. Thank you for the life lesson that is being passed on. But really, what do we, what do we keep, what do we let go of in these invitations, in these precepts that God is inviting us into? What are we holding on to? What are we letting go of? Those that give life are what we are being invited to incline our heart towards. And where is life? Wherever God is. Jesus is eternally inviting us into life. And so I, I'm curious, where are you finding your value? Where are you finding your inherent value and worth? Is it in the things that distract? Or is it in life and life to the fullest? What do you value right now? Where are you giving your time and your energy and your heart? Where are you inclining your heart towards? I love in verse 37 where it says, help me turn my eyes away from illusion Side note, we're watching um, Arrested Development as a family, and when I hear illusion, all I hear is Job's voice going, illusion! So I feel like when we read the psalm, we need to channel Job. Um, they're never going to ask me to do the homily again, ever. This is my final farewell. Help me turn my eyes away from illusion so that I may pursue only that which is true. Thank you for the Snickers. I feel, I feel very known right now. Thank you. Um, that I pursue only that what is true. What is true? What is, what is true, what is lasting? It is that which, which is eternal. Our Christ identity, our value and our intrinsic worth. What Evelyn Underhill so beautifully says, that that is the spiritual life. What is not true then? It's the temporal, it's the stuff. It's the illusions. It's whatever pulls us away from living into our inherent worth and value that we are Christ indwelled and embodied. And you are so, so beautifully beloved just because you're sitting in that pew breathing. That's it. 
And so I think that, that in this world where they want to say it's good or it's bad, it's right or it's wrong, Ignatius would say, how is God inviting you into more of him, more relationship, deeper? How are we living more into our inherent value and our worth when everything is going to come against us saying, you need to earn it, you need to find your value in other things? And then Paul in Romans, he echoes this true value. He says, how are you living into love, into light, into wearing Christ? Matthew echoes it as well. He says, are you listening? True identity versus ego identity. I love the words he uses in Matthew about this binding Whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose, which literally is this like image of like loosening, like letting go, like sloughing off. I think of a, of a butterfly like emerging out of her cocoon, like just freeing yourself from whatever entangles and, or hinders or weighs you down and moving toward that which is true. What are we binding and what are we loosing? What are we letting go of? Jan Bergstrom, she's a, she's a therapist who began the, uh, she was the co-founder of Healing Our Core Issues Institute, and she says the definition of value so beautifully. She says, inherent worth is not based on performance, attributes, or who loves you. Inherent worth is, as, as the word says, inherent. It just is. Your worth is not based on performance, attributes, or who loves you. And I would almost go to say, or who doesn't love you. You are worthy just because you are Christ, and you are breathing, and you are here. And here's the catcher. There's a difference between our inherent value and our values. There's a difference between our inherent worth and also what we value. And it's easy to think that they're the same. And I had a very real-time moment experiencing this a couple weeks ago when I was talking to my brother. Now, most of you know we moved from California seven years ago. Um, we're like pre the, the flurry out here. I just feel like I need to name that. Um, thank you, thank you, Heath, thank you. Illusion. Um, so we left, we left, um, all of our family is still in California. And my brother, who's five years younger than me, he and I are really close. And so we try to catch up when we can in between moments of life. And so a couple weeks ago, I was walking our dog and he was walking his dog and we caught up on the phone. And it was this very real time moment of seeing values bump up against each other and what it did in my insights, which was not lovely. Um, but we're, we're talking and we're catching up and I'm like, tell me what's been going on in your life and how are you? And he has been doing, are you guys familiar with jujitsu? Thank you. Okay. So jujitsu, how, Nate, how would you help me explain? How would, thank you. Martial arts ish. Um, so he is like working his way toward being a black belt in jujitsu. So he was sharing about how that he has this goal this year, he wants to finish, he wants to get black belt, which is like the highest level jujitsu, artistry, martial arts, ninja-ish. Okay, I'm done. Um, 
And then, and I'm like, that is, that's, that's amazing. He's worked hard at this. He's been doing this for a long time. And then he goes on to say, he wants to be a black belt in every area of life. Okay, did anybody else just feel what I was feeling while I, when I was on a walk? Like, I'm walking my dog, and all of a sudden, this, like, thread of anxiety, like, no, it wasn't a thread. It was like a coursing of anxiety through my entire body, like, wow, okay. And he goes on to share, he wants to be a black belt in, in like, being a dad. And he wants to be a black belt in his job and in the second business that they're offering or that they're purchasing. And, and, and basically in all of life, he wants to be a black belt in how he repairs old cars and a black belt in being a friend. And I'm like, and as he's talking, I literally can feel my insides getting smaller and smaller and more and more anxious. And I just got really curious, like, what is coming up in me right now? Like, okay. And so I was, just, I was just listening to this, and at some point I just, I remember literally pausing while I was on a walk, and I said, that sounds like a lot of pressure to be a black belt in every area of life. Like, gosh, what's that like? And he goes, my therapist said the same thing, and I was like, she might be onto something. She needs a raise. She's a good one. But here's what I noticed. As we ended up, we finished our conversation, I went back home, and I went straight to the porch, because that's where I have a lot of my time where I process with God. And I sat on that porch, and I was like, what is happening inside of me right now? And I just laid every thought, every emotion, every fear, and I just sat there with God, and he was like, okay, let's just look at all these little pieces here. Let's, let's see what's going on. And here's what I noticed. As I was listening to my brother, who these values are beautiful. He wants to black belt it in every area of his life. Bless him. That's great. But what it was bringing up in me was my biggest wound of growing up in a family that said that my value is if I'm productive, I'm busy, I'm doing all things for all people, that I look okay on the outside even if I am falling apart on the inside. And I noticed that as I was listening to him, those parts were getting, getting pricked at. And as I was listening to him do this thing that felt like, oh my gosh, you're living this amazing life, what I was doing in the process, I was devaluing myself. I was all of a sudden elevating that if your values are this, something must be wrong with me because my values are actually not that anymore. I felt really alone and I felt really different and very much like a four sitting on that porch right there in that moment. Man, what, what memo did I not get if this is what it is to be a black belt in all areas? And God said, do you know what, do you know what you're doing right now? You're devaluing yourself. And what would it look like to look at this with compassion and curiosity and go, it's okay. Those can be his values but your value doesn't change when your values change. You're both valued. You get to have different values. In my journey of becoming in this last decade, I have intentionally loosed, loosened, literally like sometimes thrown off and like run because I value margin. I value rest. 
I value healing and listening and quiet. And you guys, it's not sexy. It's not. There's so many times I want to jump back in and I want to pull out all the values that I grew up with and I want to wrap them around me. And I want to cocoon me with safety and comfort and say, look at all the things that I'm doing. I'm trying so hard. Do I look shiny? And God's like, remember, you work so hard to change your values, but it doesn't change your inherent worth. Do you hear the difference? And somehow along the way, I had gotten them confused. And so in that really beautiful moment, sitting on the porch with God, he was able to remind me, you don't have to lower yourself. You don't have to lessen your value. You don't have to devalue yourself because your values are being pricked. We can have different values than people and still hold on to our Christ worth. When we look at it with compassion, it frees us up. It keeps us safe. In the beautiful words of my dearest friend, Henry Nouwen, he echoes this sentiment as well. And he says, over the years, I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but it's self-rejection. It's devaluing. <clears throat> Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way that they are part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. And then listen to this. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are all easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. As soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me, as soon as I am rejected, left alone, or abandoned, I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I am a nobody. That's what I was doing, right? Like, I am not a black belt in anything right now. Like, my dark side says I'm no good. I deserve to be punished, to be pushed aside, to be forgotten, to be rejected, abandoned. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. And being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our experience. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. And this is what I think Psalm 119 is all about is I think where God is coming and he's saying, I just want you to live into love and light and listening and wearing me and trusting that you have such beautiful worth just because of who you are, no matter what your values are or what others' values are. And the enemy is gonna come and he's gonna say, okay, but that sounds really precious, but you actually need to earn your value, listen to what other people tell you you're valued for, and then that's where your value is. And it's, it's this deeper invitation into the lesson of living into our worth, living into our Christ worth. And the enemy is going to constantly be working to tell us otherwise. You see that? Do you see that in your own life? If you think about the things that you value right now, do you ever feel like they're different from what the world's values are or what your neighbor's values are? permission for them to be different, but it doesn't change your worth or your who you are. 
Our past life lessons may look different than our present values, and that's okay. And my question for you today, and if I could leave, if you can leave with anything, it is, how is God inviting precepts and invitations in your own life that offer life? How is God continuing to, continuing to invite you into life that says, you have so much value, you have so much worth, do you see how I'm desiring you and coming near you and wanting to hold you and calm the anxiety when you start to compare? You are so beloved. The other night I was laying down with Ty, our youngest. He asked me the sweetest question. He said, Mom, when your dad died, what did people do when you were grieving? I know, right? Like wisdom from an almost 13 year old. I said, there, no, nobody really was around. Nobody was really around. Nobody really knew what to do with that. And he said, I wonder what it would look like if all of us got to walk around with little mirrors. What if all of us got to walk around with little mirrors and just hold up little mirrors and show them to each other and to remind each other of who we are? And I have not, I cannot stop thinking about that. And I think that's what God does in this psalm. He's like, can I just walk around and hold up little mirrors around you all day long to continue to show you who you are so that you can see yourself the way that I see you, so that I can remind you of your belovedness when your values start to feel a little bit shaky? What if God is just a giant mirror that he's holding up to us to echo, I love you and I see you and you don't have to work hard. You just get to, like Evelyn Underhill says, just be, just be. That's the spiritual life. That's the essence of who you are. And so I wonder as I close, what does it look like to go into today, into this week, claiming what is true? And here's what we know is true, is that you are beloved. You have inherent value. That God is continually inviting you into deeper love, light, mystery, listening, healing, permission, compassion. Should I keep going? As I read this version of Psalm 119 in the Passion Translation, maybe if you just want to close your eyes or look at the cross, but let these words wash over you. What is God echoing and inviting for you today and this week? as he is constantly reminding you of your value. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. Give me an understanding heart so that I can passionately know and obey your truth. Guide me into the paths that please you, for I take delight in all that you say. Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. I love this phrasing. 
Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. Reassure me of your promises, for I am your beloved, your servant who bows before you. Defend me from the criticism I face for keeping your beautiful words. See how I long with cravings for more of your ways. Let your righteousness revive my spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you.